Proverbs 2, 6 to 11. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then, when God gives you wisdom, you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. This is the word of the Lord. In the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which in 2005 became a Hollywood blockbuster film, the writer describes a beautiful place called Narnia. It's under the spell of an evil character, the White Witch, who symbolizes the devil. Author C.S. Lewis writes of the witch, it was she who has made the cold and foreboding land of Narnia. She ensured that it was always winter, but never Christmas. Always winter, but never Christmas. What a great way to describe this world without the positive, redemptive influence of Jesus Christ. But what if Jesus had never been born? Dr. James Kennedy and Jerry Newcomb are authors of What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? The Positive Impact of Christianity on History. And this book inspired me to share this message today. Today we're going to look at three graphic examples of life without Jesus Christ. Before Christ was born, today where Christ is not allowed, and why life today is so much better for so many because of Jesus and his teachings. B.C., before Christ. God intended man to live in relationship with him. The Bible says that he walked and talked with Adam in the garden, God himself. But man turned his back on God and went another way. They didn't just turn their backs. They replaced God. Have you ever heard someone talk about a God-sized hole in your heart? St. Augustine wrote, You made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, we read, God put eternity into the hearts of men, so that in our longing and confusion, we will seek him. Or not. The ancient Babylonians worshipped nine gods, but their king was really the point of their adoration and worship. Just read the Old Testament account of King Nebuchadnezzar in the fiery furnace, if you want a refresher course, on God complex. The ancient Chinese boasted of eight principal deities, but many claim 15 was more likely to be the number, and their emperors were considered to be man-gods. When the Jews were serving as slaves in Egypt, the Egyptians worshipped more than 2,000 different gods. The Greeks had 12 original gods and goddesses whose family tree later would include 41 gods and goddesses and innumerable nymphs and titans and mythical heroes. Acts 17 and 22 even points out that in Athens, the Greeks had a statue to the unknown god. Talk about covering your bases. The Romans had 12 main gods and 21 minor gods. The Vikings may have had up to 66 deities, 
but they too claimed 12 main gods. The Aztecs worshipped over 200 gods in 13 heavens, and Native Americans paid tribute to many localized deities and spirits depending on the tribe and the location and the time. There isn't a civilization anywhere ever that didn't worship something. Even godless states worship their leader or their system, elevating people or ideology to godlike status, or even animals and idols, such as the golden calf in Exodus 24. But the issue isn't just who they worshipped, but also what they practiced. Without God, there were no Ten Commandments. Love thy neighbor and love thy enemy, forget it. Unheard of. The leaders of nations marched to their own drummers, not the Ten Commandments of a God called Yahweh. Cannibalism, the sacrifice of prisoners and children, bloodlust, wars to capture slaves, sexual anarchy, mass suicides, crucifixions, practices beyond our belief were everyday occurrences. These times were incredibly dark. Even in Israel, even though they believed in the God of Abraham, they were living day to day under a strict Jewish theocracy and the boot of Rome and an emperor who demanded absolute obedience and worship. When the light of the angels pierced the skies above Bethlehem on the night of Jesus' birth, the world was more than cold and dark. The world was totally lost. The Mesopotamian Empire, the Egyptian Empire, the Roman Empire, the Mongolian hordes, the armies of Alexander the Great, the Mayan and Incan and Olmec civilizations were not without a god or gods. They were just without Jesus. Realize this, on the entire earth, only one small nation in the Middle East believed and worshipped one god, the god we call Yahweh. This was a time that was short on love, mercy, and purpose. Before Christ, it was always winter, but never Christmas. But even after Jesus came, even after he taught so many important lessons and performed so many miracles, then offered himself as a sin, a sin offering to the world and, and rose from the grave, it would take a great many years for much of the world to hear the gospel, and many who heard would not believe. Even though his disciples obeyed Jesus' final commands to go out into all the world and preach the gospel, even though many witnesses to his life spoke of it and shared it with their friends and neighbors, the message was often unwelcome and often still is. It's not easy to love the Lord thy God with all the strength and all your heart and all your soul. It's not easy to love your neighbor as yourself. Besides, there's another one who wants worship and adoration. And he is not at all like God, someone who said, I will make myself like the Most High, one who will do anything to keep the, the gospel buried and hidden, anything to destroy God's word, God's people, and God's purpose. 1 Peter 5 and 8 warns us, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And he's been hard at work especially since Jesus broke the gates of hell and offered a way to defeat death and Hades. If you've been around the block a few times, you might recall a famous ABC radio commentator. His name was Paul Harvey. 
Millions of people listened to his programs, which were broadcast on over 1,200 radio stations across North America. His famous signature line repeated at the end of every show, and now you know the rest of the story. Here's an excerpt from one of his comments. If I were the devil, I mean, if I were the prince of darkness, I would, of course, want the whole world engulfed in darkness. So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers, with the wisdom of a serpent I'd whisper to you as, as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please, do as you please. I would whisper, the Bible's a myth. I'd convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what is bad is good, and what is good is square. If I were the devil, I'd encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions. Let those run wild. I'd designate an atheist to front for me, and with flattery and promises of power, I could get the courts to evict God from the courthouse, and then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress, and then from his own churches. In other words, if I were Satan, I'd just keep on doing what he's doing. Those words were spoken nearly 60 years ago, on April 3rd, 1965. In 1965, you would hear wise men like this speak so clearly and confidently on mainstream TV, radio, and newspapers, and from the pulpits of a free America. But something has changed, and some things have not. Satan just keeps on doing what he's been doing ever since he offered Eve an excuse to doubt God and eat that forbidden fruit. I heard a preacher once say that Satan wants us to be bad, and if he can't make us bad, he'll make us very, very busy. Need proof? Michael Turtle. He's a modern media journalist. One of his visits was to the very secluded, secretive land of North Korea. And here are some of the things he reported. As soon as he arrived in the capital city of Pyongyang, his phone and GPS devices were confiscated, and he was assigned two handlers who never left his side. They made sure he only saw what they wanted him to see and only spoke to people they wanted him to meet. The hotel he stayed in was on an island with guards at every door to ensure that no one left without their two guides. Massive monuments and billboards everywhere celebrate the great leader Kim Il-sung and his son, the current leader, Kim Jong-il. The late great leader is celebrated as a hero of war, sports, and politics. In fact, North Korean state media reported that Kim Il-sung only played golf once because it was too easy. Allegedly, at the age of 52, this five-foot-three-inch man shot 38 under par, including 11 holes in one. <sighs> Beat my best score by three strokes. <laughs> in truth, poverty, ignorance, and famine keep millions of North Koreans under the guns of the military and the complete control of the glorious Korean Workers' Party. Propaganda, fear, spies, hatred control the thoughts and beliefs of the people. For example, the great leader Kim Jong-un built the Museum of American War Atrocities to prove to his people that Americans, quote, are cannibals seeking pleasure in slaughter, unquote. After visiting the building, members of the military are paraded directly to the revenge pledging place set up next door. 
Another example of North Korean propaganda and thought control was the Great Famine in 1994. The Korean government called it a food shortage, ascribing the problem to some bad weather and the failure to follow the teachings of Kim. State-controlled media admitted to 200 to 250,000 famine deaths. In fact, the actual number of dead was actually between two and a half and three and a half million. Of course, it's never Christmas in North Korea. Just being caught with a Bible gets you life in prison. Open Doors is an organization that works to aid persecuted Christians in more than 70 countries with Bibles, Christian resources, and emergency assistance. But despite the dangers, one North Korean Christian continues to serve Christ as a house church leader. Recently, she was able to get a letter to an Open Doors partner in China, and here's what it said. Dear brother, we are well and at peace through the grace of Jesus Christ and your prayers. When our Bible was found, it was immediately destroyed. Because we are Christians, we've been exiled to a remote village with no chance of ever leaving. Work here is hard. Rations are very limited. We are always hungry or sick. We need to forage to survive, but every morning when I open my eyes, I feel the presence of the Lord and thank our Father God that I'm still strong enough to be used as his servant. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, she writes. From your perspective, brother, our suffering must appear as though we live a cursed life. However, we see it as a blessing because it is a shortcut to the Father. I have one more request that you send our gratitude to those who pray for us. In return, we'll stay healthy and continue to spread the gospel throughout North Korea. Your sister in Christ. North Korea. Always winter and never Christmas. Pray for these people who live in the cold and darkness. Pray for their darkness to be pierced by the warmth and light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The late author and Muslim-turned-Christian apologist Nabil Qureshi wrote a terrific bestseller. It's called No God But One, Allah Jesus, a former Muslim investigates the evidence for Islam and Christianity. In it, he shares this chilling but sadly true story. Sarah Fatima al-Mutari was a spirited young woman, a passionate teacher, a patriotic Saudi Arabian, and a recent convert to Christianity. She had been raised in accordance with her family's ancestral religion of Islam. She carefully studied and memorized the Quran, covered her hair with her hijab, fasted twice weekly and avoided television and secular music. She enjoyed online debates where she would defend Muhammad and religion. But as she investigated Islamic history, she realized that she could no longer follow Islam. She found the Gospel of Matthew and was particularly struck by the Sermon on the Mount, and she became a Christian. The secret of Christian online community she enjoyed warned her to keep her new faith a secret because, you see, the penalty for leaving Islam in Saudi Arabia can often be death. But the passionate and outspoken new Christian just couldn't keep her newfound faith to herself. She complained to her family about a lack of religious freedom in Islam, and blurted out, the way of the Messiah is purer than the way of the messenger. And her, her brother flew into a rage, shouting, repent, otherwise you have blasphemed. Then he went to her room, found all of her Christian posts, 
and her cross. He immediately locked her there and gave her four hours to consider what she had done and to repent. What would she choose? Islam or Christianity? Later that week, a Saudi newspaper reported this story, quote, a Saudi citizen working for the Commission for the Promotion of Virtue and the Prevention of Vice killed his sister for allegedly converting to Christianity, unquote. These are the last words she sent her friends on the internet. My last words I pray to the Lord of the words, Jesus the Messiah, the light of clear guidance, change their hearts and set right their discernment. May he spread love among you, O Muslims. Saudi Arabia, Iran, many Middle Eastern nations know always winter, but never Christmas. Even 26-year-old Fatima prayed for these people. She prayed for the darkness to be pierced by the light and the warmth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us to do that. It matters. Isaiah 9:2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. In the opening chapter of the book, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born, the authors say this, some people have made transformational changes in one department of human learning or in one aspect of human life, and their names are forever enshrined in human history. But Jesus Christ, the greatest man who ever lived, changed virtually every aspect of human life, and most people don't know it. The greatest tragedy of the Christmas holiday each year is not so much its commercialization as its trivialization. How tragic is it that people have forgotten him to whom they owe so much? In Revelations 21 and 5, Jesus says, Behold, I make all things new. Everything Jesus touched, he transformed. From broken bodies, lepers, blind eyes, lost hearts, to time itself. Consider this, his birthday even altered the way we tell time. A.D. is Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. The authors list just some of the positive differences that the, teaches, the teachings of Jesus and Christianity have made over the last 2,000 years. This is a small, mind-boggling sample of how Jesus has transformed history. Public hospitals. In 325 AD, after Roman Emperor Constantine legalized Christianity, Christians built hospitals and hospices for travelers and the poor based on the teachings of Jesus in the Good Samaritan. The Council of Nicaea decreed that hospitals must be built in every city with a cathedral. The International Red Cross, which has saved millions of lives, was founded by a Swiss philanthropist evangelical Christian in 1864. Henri Dunant was the same man who helped found the Young Men's Christian Association, what we now call the Y, in Geneva more than a decade earlier. The driving force behind the greatest humanitarian movement in history, the Red Cross, was Jesus Christ. Universities began in Europe in the 12th century, and all were started by and for Christians, and predominantly for Christian education. Literacy and education for the masses, the first mass-produced book in the world, was the Gutenberg Bible. Calvin and Martin Luther were pioneers of Christian public education. Sunday schools in Europe 
were the progenitors of public education that we know in North America. Other examples of institutions and practices which were motivated by Judeo-Christian teaching and thought include capitalism, free enterprise, representative government, civil liberty, the abolition of slavery, modern science, the elevation of women, benevolence and charity, the Good Samaritan ethic, higher standards of justice, the elevation of the common man, the condemnation of adultery and sexual perversion, high regard for human life, the civilizing of barbaric and primitive cultures, the codifying and setting to writing of many of the world's languages, greater development of art and music. Christian themes have been the inspiration for many of the greatest works of art throughout history. The countless changed lives transformed from liabilities into assets to society and eternity because of the gospel of Jesus. All of these, and yes, countless more, byproducts of the good created when the teachings of the Bible have been applied to daily living. When Jesus took the form of a man, he gave mankind a dignity and inherent value that had never previously existed. If you walk into a dark room in the middle of the night and you turn on the lights, what happens? The darkness flees. Darkness exists only in the absence of light. On the other hand, when light is extinguished, shadows and darkness return. We need the light to see, to see the way in our lives. Just as light dispels darkness physically, so spiritual light dispels spiritual darkness. John 1, 3-9 describes Jesus bringing light into the world. He later called himself the light of the world. John 8 and 12 and 9 and 5. In preparation for leaving the earth, Jesus also declared his disciples would become the light of the world. Matthew 5, 14. And he told them to let their light shine by virtue of their good works so others would recognize the light and life of God and glorify him. The message of Christ is life-giving, refreshing, inspiring, world-changing. The light of Christ takes the cold, dark, lifeless days of winter and injects warmth and light and hope. Christmas is when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, a time of celebration that gives so much meaning to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's hard to imagine the darkness that once enveloped the world, but Take the time to study the civilizations and the customs and the beliefs of those who lived on this earth before Christ. Now reflect on the blessings that you and I have enjoyed because he lives. Do you remember the Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life? Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed. A story about a little town called Bedford Falls and all the bad things that happened there because of one honest businessman who was never born, George Bailey. Now just try to imagine the craterous impact on the history and culture of the entire world if Jesus had never been born. Observe the transformation of civilizations who knew Jesus and revered his words who tried to walk in his light and came to him for forgiveness when they strayed from his teaching. Take some time to really look at the world today. Apply his teachings to the problems of mental health, physical health, poverty, 
addiction, loneliness, anxiety. Look at your own life and imagine the benefits you have enjoyed because of the life of Jesus and Christianity. How dark might our lives have been without the teachings of Jesus? In winter, temperatures plummet. Leaves fall from the trees. Animals hibernate. Birds fly south. The world is cold and quiet. and it becomes pretty dark. But at Christmas, the celebration of the night when the angels appeared to those shepherds in the fields outside of Bethlehem, at Christmas, candles glow, lights shine, friends and family gather to celebrate. The light of Christ pierces the dark. The knowledge of a Savior, the promise of peace, and the warm glow of hope pushes back the cold and the darkness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and he was the light that pointed mankind back to God. He also said, you are the light of the world. Here's a powerful quote from C.S. Lewis. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Jesus illuminates this world's condition. By him we understand who we are, where we have missed the mark, and how we can be made right with God. I recommend that you might make a point to watch or re-watch the movie, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, realizing that the author was once an avowed atheist, then he became a Christian, then he wrote the story. Always winter, but never Christmas? Not anymore. Jesus changed everything. Behold, he makes all things new, even the human heart. Amen.